So check this out. Bright Hire just launched this amazing AI sidekick called Bright Hire Plan. It's like having your very own AI assistant that can build full interview plans in just minutes. Imagine going from a job title to a thoughtfully crafted, inclusive job description and a full structured interview plan in minutes. No, not hours anymore. It's a game changer for recruiters and hiring managers. I know I'm usually the one to hate on new tech, but honestly, this sounds incredible. This is AI used right for better quality and more efficiency. It's like the holy grail of recruiting. Dozens of companies from high growth startups to multi-billion dollar enterprises are already using Bright Hire Plan to save tons of money, time, and raise the quality of their hiring. And here's the best part. You can give Bright Hire Plan a spin for free. That's right, for free for 30 days. Just head over to brighthire.com to get started. That's brighthire.com to get started. Cheeseman out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, kids? It's your favorite guilty pleasure, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the Kobayashi to my Joey Chestnut, Chad Sowash, is in the house. And we are reunited today, and it feels so damn good. Everyone, welcome. Teddy Chestnut, co-founder at Bright Hire, back to the show. Teddy, greetings and salutations. What's up, guys? Glad to be back. Good to have you back. How you doing, big guy? It's been a couple of years since you've been on the show. I was just looking almost two years to the day. Anything weird happened in the world in the, the last time you were here? <laughs> I definitely had COVID during our last recording, 100%. Really? During the actual <laughs> recording? I'm pretty you, sure. Are you sure you're going to claim didn't that? feel sick talking to us? Little foggy came out a little foggy. <laughs> no, yeah, it's been it's been uh, yeah, a lot lots happened in the world in the last two years. Uh, you shaved bright, hi- bright higher. Otherwise, I shaved after <laughs> four years. Shave. Not that anybody could see or know that, but uh, now I look like my LinkedIn profile. So people are confused when I get on Zoom. Very executive. You know, you shave the beard. He does kind of have uh, the country and western shirt on, though. If he had a hat. And maybe a belt buckle. I think, I think he could pull it off. I think it's kind of yeah. Eddie Haskell. I don't know if it's quite <laughs> Merle Haggard. I, I could tell you I have a belt buckle on right now and nobody would know, right? Because it's just audio. It's big, three inches, <laughs> it's big, diagonal, yeah. Texas Longhorn. Yeah, looks like it looks like a, a dinner platter. We're not going to talk about anything below the belt today, Teddy. Nothing just below the belt. belt. Okay. okay, mental note. Next piece of swag, bright higher belt buckle. There it is. There Ooh. it is. I'll, I'll wear it to SIA in Miami. I'll send you a pic. <laughs> that, is, that is unique. That's sexy. Well, why are we here, kids? We're here because Teddy, a couple of years ago, actually came on Firing Squad, and he did pretty well, whether he was in a uh, COVID haze or not. And uh, so this is the reunion show where Checking this in. is what's going to happen, Teddy. You don't have to actually go through the Firing Squad. You already did that. But what you do have to do and the torture that you do have to face is listening to your two-minute pitch from two years ago. Then after that, we're just going to talk about the journey. 
journey. What went well? What sucked? How to kick PE in the nuts? Who knows? There are going to be plenty of things that we can talk about today. And most importantly, how many more servers did you have to buy after being on our show because the traffic was obviously? <laughs> Does off anybody the chart. buy servers anymore? I know, right? <laughs> I know. It's like Super Bowl ad and Chad and Cheese interview, basically. For a platform that records and transcribes interviews. Hopefully listening to myself is not that painful. I should I should have a handle on that at this point. No, you okay. you, have, you have a sweet voice. Goes down smoothly. So, <laughs> so without any further ado, everybody, here's Teddy's pitch from two years ago. At its heart, hiring is human. Every hiring decision is driven by what we are doing right now, talking to each other. It's a series of conversations. Uh, and because hiring is human, it's also inconsistent. It's inefficient. Uh, and there's a tremendous amount of space for subjectivity, room for bias. I co-founded Bright Hire because I saw an opportunity to transform the heart of the hiring process uh, and specifically to build a new kind of interview platform that could drive better, faster, and more inclusive hiring decisions. Now, Bright Hire does that first by raising the quality of interviews in real time. So when a recruiter or an interviewer uses Bright Hire, they have an interview assistant riding along with them as a heads-up display to guide that conversation. And as that conversation unfolds, it's recorded, transcribed, and annotated. They're producing real evidence to support more rigorous and fair hiring decisions. So you know, instead of relying on you know, shorthand or scribble notes or nothing but our best recollection to fill out a scorecard and make a decision, you can quickly pull up candidate highlights to recall key details and make a decision based on that candidate's merits, not your memory. Uh, and then you can share those highlights across the hiring team to make a seamless handoff or calibrate based on real substance or check each other's biases. And for the first time, teams can actually effectively all be in the same room together for every interview. So we can actually work together to make better, less biased hiring decisions. You know, every other team, design, product, engineering, sales, has had a collaboration platform built specifically for them. You know, now, finally, hiring teams have one too. And then finally, we give people leaders transformational insight to improve their hiring outcomes, so to enable their teams to predictably replicate success. So whether that's through search or analytics or alerts, we're also enabling teams to hold up a mirror to their own hiring practice and see how it's done and make data-driven improvements to ensure they're running a consistent, quality, and fair hiring practice. And one last thought, our first value as a company is candidates first. And a big part of our mission is to give candidates a hiring experience that they deserve by reducing bias and instilling good practices where it matters most in every interview and hiring decision. That shit was tight. That was pretty good. That, that was good. It was the $6 million man of pitches. That was good. In a COVID haze, which I still don't believe. I don't believe he was in a COVID <laughs> haze. That was way too clear. So after having the, the, the weight of the world on your back coming to the Chad and Cheese podcast to be on Firing Squad, how did it feel after we hit stop and the recording was over? Like a relief. Relief, man. Well, because, you know, I, th I thought you were going to fail me, you know, because you, you guys were throwing a lot of shade and there was the Joey Chestnut stuff. And I wasn't sure, if, you know, there was like done video interviews before, but man, like passing grade, I'll take it. Big relief. No, it was fun. And then, I, and then we had to go do a bunch of work to make all that real. <laughs> Any yeah, the, connection the, to Joey Chestnut is aces in my book, Teddy. I, I really yeah. like, I'm still holding to like third cousin, twice removed, some, you know, something. I'd go with that too. I'd go with Anything that. Anything that has to do with eating, Joel is a big fan of. That's, yes, that's what I noticed it. When you left, uh, yeah, you had a product. That product 
of yesteryear, literally two years ago. I mean, tech moves fast. How fast and how many changes did you add? Let's talk about the journey a little bit. When you stepped off, what was the next thing you had to do? Obviously, there was funding that happened. There were new features. What happened to the platform? What happened to you guys? We had secured funding already, but we had just gone to market like commercially at the end of 2020. And so you caught us like right after we signed like our first cohort of clients, really. I think we've uh, since we probably like 10x our client base. And so a lot of the work to do immediately afterward was like get those teams up and running. <laughs> like we had the, the baseline product that was ready to go. We were just shipping like a set of integrations still to like make it seamless in the workflow. But a lot of the work was uh, change management. It was introducing the idea of recording and transcribing interviews beyond the champions who saw the potential and signed up for it. And rolling that out to the rest of their teams, recruiters, hiring managers, interviewers, right? That hiring was a team sport. Not everybody was involved in the sales process. And so a lot of the work was was change, right? Getting people well, excited onboarding about Onboarding sucks, right? Onboarding sucks. And you hadn't had to do it really before. So now you were starting to do it with a cohort of companies. Talk about that a little bit. What changed? What did you get right? And then what did you get wrong? We had rolled out Bright Hire back in like late 2020, first just to recruiting teams. A couple really big ones, but primarily it was like recruiters. And early 21 was the first steps toward rolling out toward engine sales and product and the rest of the org. And obviously that's a, that's a partnership between TA and those orgs. Like they don't roll up into TA, they don't report into TA. Uh, and so working with our buyers and the you know, heads of talent acquisition and the recruiters to put the comms and the rollout plan together and to socialize Bright Hire with the rest of their teams and to help them understand the why, that was the work to do coming right out of, uh, right out of that conversation. And it's a different message, right, to a hiring manager than it is to a recruiter about like why you should be on Bright Hire and the value to you. And so developing that language in partnership with our early clients to nail and kind of stick the landing, there, that was a lot of work. So uh, one of the things I, I mentioned to you in our first interview is that I thought you needed to raise more cash, which you then quickly raised $20 million. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I- I don't a, little, know if, a little bit of I don't cash. Know if my yeah. advice was was uh, was prescient in that, or like <laughs> I hadn't actually even considered it before you made it. Always go get some more money. That sounds <laughs> let's, great. That sounds let's like go do it. So, what have you done with the money? Uh, are you going to go raise some more? Like, sort of, what's the state of the funding of the business? Yeah, well, well capitalized, right? Yes, yeah, so we raised that uh, like twenty million dollars Series B only like six months after the, the Series A. And so that was really like a momentum and conviction play on the size of the opportunity and the fact that we could be kind of a leader in the market. That we've invested primarily in R&D and Eng. Right? The, the, the pitch that I gave around the workflow, interview assistant and in the moment and the analytics and the insights, we had built you know the rudimentary components of a lot of that when we talked, but a lot of the, that capital has just been invested in actually realizing that full vision uh, over the last couple of years. And then scaling up our CS and support team to be able to onboard and support yeah. new clients uh, pretty beautifully. So you've raised about $36 million total. Any plan to raise more? And if so, what's the environment right now for raising money? We're fortunate you know, building a startup is there's big doses of luck and timing involved. And we had the fortunate you know opportunity to raise a bunch of capital back in 21 when the market was really hot and do it at a really nice valuation. And so we're in a fortunate position where we don't have to be out raising capital right now. I don't envy the teams that 
that have to be because uh, it's a very different environment. So no, we're like well capitalized, not thinking about raising anytime soon, mostly thinking about uh, continuing to invest in, in the product and the team and, and kind of grow our current install base. Uh, invest in the team. So have you had layoffs? If not, what's been your secret sauce to avoid those? And are you hiring? It sounds like you are. We did scale up and then we scaled down primarily on the go-to-market side, like a lot of teams did because we saw what the market looked like in the first half of last year, which was just ripping. And then obviously things hit a wall for a lot of our clients for high growth tech in the back half of last year. And so we right-sized the team a, a, a little bit. Now we're, you know, continue to invest in product R&D, kind of resetting the sales team and our territories and kind of our targets uh, uh-huh. to make sure that we go after the teams that are still hiring really aggressively and the segments that are still really healthy. Got it. And and one more real quick before I toss it back to Chad. You were brighthire.ai when we interviewed you. You're now brighthire.com. Did some of that money go to somebody to get that .com? What was the story there? Just vanity, pure vanity play. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brighthire.com was not an expensive investment, thankfully. We bought it for two reasons. Uh Three, one, pure vanity. Two, the dot AI was confusing people. They would presume that we were using AI to evaluate candidates and it would start this ah, conversation about ah. that, which we which we don't. Uh-huh. Uh, and so we didn't want to confuse people. And if you're the category leader in, in your market, you got to own the dot com. It's just something you got to do. It, it is what it is. So let's let's talk a little bit about that around the competition side because everybody wants to do uh, interviews now. It's a video interview. It's a that interview. So talk a little bit about the competition and then being able to really focus on messaging because at the end of the day, as you just said, you know, people were looking at AI and they thought, holy shit, we don't want the face recognition <laughs> shit going on or the right, voice right, recognition right. or any of that stuff. So, so talk a little bit about that. Talk about uh, perception, market perception, and then messaging and then the competitor landscape. So that's another thing that changed pretty dramatically. Like the next thing I had to do after we got off of our call two years ago was talk to somebody about why recording interviews was a good idea because interview intelligence, this idea that we were going to record and transcribe live interviews was still not even in the kind of in the, out in the world mm-hmm. uh, in any in any kind of material way. Whereas fast forward two years, and you know Josh Burson is up on stage at HR Tech talking about how interview intelligence is one of the most exciting categories of new technology in recruiting tech. So that's great. Like market development is incredibly important, and with market development comes you know competition and other kind of startups in the space. So we've seen that which is, again, I think great. Like the more people are thinking about recording and transcribing interviews as the foundation for a quality, fair, efficient process, that's that's mm-hmm. great for us. In terms of like, you know, the actual competitive landscape, still very few deals and conversations are, you know, multiple players kind of going at the same opportunity. It's still just a tremendous amount of white space. And our approach on it has always been just like, you know, obsessed about the customer, not the competition. Like just listen to them and figure out what's important Ooh. to them and try to serve try to serve their needs, which have changed a ton, right? That's another thing. Like oh, yeah. in the last six months, it went from, again, 2021, even two years, hire as fast as fucking possible. <laughs> like, <laughs> give me a button. I need like 35 butts and seats and I need, and, th- and half of those are recruiters, right? Like just scale up as fast as possible to now we got to do more with less. We got to be more agile. We're only making the key quality hires. So it matters a ton, right? So the whole kind of marketplace has shifted. What's up, guys? I got a question for you. What happens when you bring the power of AI to programmatic advertising? Well, game-changing efficiency, of course. What does that mean to you? Improved conversion rates, reduced cost per application, and ultimately the one metric that we all know truly matters, reduced cost per hire. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, great news. This technology already exists. Introducing 
HireMaster.ai. HireMaster.ai is a data-driven model that analyzes a wide range of data sources. It considers factors such as candidate demographics, job type, industry, and historical performance data. It continuously monitors and optimizes your job advertising campaigns to adapt to changing market conditions and maximum results. HireMaster AI empowers recruiting teams to work more efficiently and effectively by automating certain tasks and providing valuable data-driven insights. Why not give it a shot today? Learn more and start your trial by visiting HireMaster.ai now. That's H-I-R-E-M-A-S-T-E-R dot A-I. Around what they care about. And so mm-hmm. our positioning and messaging and kind of the use cases for Bright Hire have changed along with that. Now, is it hard to be able to skate to the puck when you have no clue and when there are 20 pucks in the rink? Because <laughs> as we talk about talent acquisition, we talk a lot about strategy, but there's more tactics that happen even at the mm-hmm. quote unquote strategic level. They're just talking about what's happening in the next six months if you're lucky, let alone 18 months or or, or six years. So is it hard to skate to to all the pucks? Yeah. I think especially that can be exacerbated or made more challenging depending on the segment that you're working with. If you're Mm -hmm. working with Fortune 500, you know, they're doing annual planning on their headcount, but those TA teams are still thinking two, three years strategic transformation, right? And they're like, their timelines are are a little bit longer. When you're serving Angie or Figma or Roblox or Mr. Beast, right? Like, (laughs) which which is a client of ours, uh, you know, like (laughs) that time horizon is much shorter. Uh, And so you have to be more reactive and you have to be reactive like with your clients to the pressures that they're facing or the reality that they're operating in. What we've tried to do is keep a true north on the core value propositions that we know will differentiate us over time. Gather a ton of data about what's happening in conversation so we can actually add value, give people guidance in real time so they know like what to ask and what to cover and serve recruiters beautifully. Recognizing that they might have a different job. I might have the same title in the same company and and have a job that feels very different today than it felt, you know, nine months ago or 12 months ago. Do you find yourself as a company is talking to you about where they're skating, trying to divert them, knowing that they're probably going at the wrong puck at the wrong time? Because again, you're seeing a lot more from more companies. You're more in tune with the market, especially with your product. Is there a lot of consulting that's happening these days? The best relationships are consultative. You have to develop really deep trust in order for somebody to take your consultation from the outside and have it truly influence their strategy. That's what we that's what we aspire to. But I like it would be a little hubristic to try to have us come in from the outside and say, I know you're focused on this, but you should be focused on on that and expect somebody to actually make that change in a short amount of time. So you do a lot of planting of seeds. Right. And then starting the conversation, then coming back to it later on. I think like that's probably the story of many of the startups that you've worked with that are developing markets is like, we're going to have a conversation about this thing that's really important. And I know you've got like five other priorities that you're working on. So cool. Now, you know, we exist and let's come back and talk, you know, six, nine months from now, now that you've cleared those things out and you realize that that thing that we talked about that was really important actually is really important. The fact that you uh, work with Mr. Beast just might have made me cool (laughs) with my teenagers, uh, at least for tonight. I just I want to thank you for that, first and foremost. 
foremost. It's never going to happen, by the way. I just want you to just know. For night, gonna be cool. Just for a night, I said. Just for one night. Just for one night. And then I'm back to dork, dorky dad. <laughs> what would be a, an unexpected, maybe a curveball that you weren't expecting that really changed the business? Just something that startups have to deal with. A story that, oh man, I, this thing that happened to us was just sort of nuts and I had to deal with it, aside from COVID or something macro. Or the global slowdown and pullback in tech hiring. I mean, that's been it. Which is another one, right? You you are a human centric business. People use the product. It's not automation as much as as some of the others. So there are less recruiters in the world. How how has that impacted the product? Two ways. One obviously is like there are fewer users <laughs> out out there. And mm-hmm. is that a bottom line situation? Do you pay? Are, do people pay by the seat? The bottom line from us more so is like how much hiring are you doing, right? And so that certainly has has an impact, right? And so we've we've aspired to be thoughtful and creative to meet clients who've loved our product where they are when they come up for renewal and they're like. I was hiring 100 people a month and now I'm hiring 10. Just try to think long-term with those partners because we know that there's a tremendous amount of value. But that absolutely has an impact on uh, on building the business. The other side is it creates a lot of opportunity. So I talked about like you know the messaging changes and the use case changes. And one thing that we're seeing in the market right now is this concept of like recruiter agility. So I might have had a team of specialist recruiters, design, product, and CS, and I could afford to have people focused on one special. I can't afford that anymore because I went from a team of 20 to 10 or 100 to 50. And so I now need that product person to also own design and eng and maybe like a one-off CS role. And it, it turns out that it's really helpful to use Bright Hire in that context to get smart on roles quickly and to shift and on, kind of do like mini onboardings every time you take on a new rec. So we've actually seen a lot of positive feedback around that kind of a use case for Bright Hire when teams are more constrained and have to do more with less. So aside from being a guest on this podcast, what have been some of your best marketing decisions, best <laughs> platforms to use? We have a lot of companies that are looking for that silver bullet from a marketing perspective. What's what's worked best for you? Co-marketing has been great for us, honestly. Say we, more we, about that. Yeah, we decided to make like pretty deep investments with other players in the HR tech space. We got a bunch of them up and running on our platform. We've hosted webinars and events with them. That extends to, you know, the ATS platforms, you know, Greenhouse, Smart Recruiters, Lever, but also other partners like Checker and Good Time, Seek Out, Gem. Like we've done a lot of work, you know, because we talk to the same profiles and, and we want to reach the same audiences and having conversations with the market alongside those kinds of brands about topics that are just important to, you know, to our buyers has been super, super productive. So content marketing, but leveraging partnerships and relationships to amplify, I guess, the message. Yeah. And that's like strategically they're involved, you know, investing in partners that that share a similar kind of view of the world as we do, or that are actually really important platform partners for us, again, like the ATS platforms. Was that always your go-to-market? Was it always try to force multiply through partnerships? Our head of marketing, Linda, made that a big part of her strategy when she joined. Uh, And I think she had had some previous experience doing that kind of work at her last company and and saw Mm -hmm. the success there. So really, like pretty soon after she joined, we started to do a lot of co-marketing work. And then also like we took uh, an approach where our our product and customer experience could be our marketing. Trying to market a product that people haven't had their hands on before Mm. in a new category. People's experience with it saying, wow, this was amazing can be really valuable. And so getting the product in the hands of a chart hop really early or a good time like is really valuable because then those teams are talking to a, you know our same buyers and can reflect on the fact that they've used the product and you know we've been great partners to them and that mm. goes a long way. Well, and also from a market strategy standpoint, they're not developing that 
that product or at least looking yeah. to prospectively develop that product because they've got such tight partnerships. Now, that being said, on the marketing standpoint, did you also take the same type of path for your sales go to market and being able to leverage those big names or those partnerships to, to also leverage their portfolios? Because we've been playing primarily historically in like the mid-market segment, mm -hmm. there's been there's been less of that. Lever, Greenhouse, they play more of like Switzerland when it comes to those partner ecosystems. Unlike say like a work day where like you can get plugged in and then they're going to put you into every single deal. So it hasn't been a huge part of our strategy yet. But as we think about up market, that partnership strategy, I think will become more important. And talk a little bit about product expansion, mm -hmm. being able to go from where you were to where you are yeah. now, and then the vision of moving past that. Where does Teddy Chestnut see a bright hire in, in the next six months to 18? So if you think about uh, an ATS as the system of record, that's like a foundational layer, right? That's who are we talking to at what stage of the process for what role? You know, that's the foundation. On top of that are all of the things that humans are doing to actually assess and select and sell candidates. Plan the interview, like, Write the job description, plan the interview, figure out what questions we want to ask, run the interview, make a decision, figure out what happened after that decision and tie it back into how we plan and run and decide so that we get better over time. And the vision for Bright Hire has always been to be like that layer on top of the system of record, helping people do the full range of jobs that they need to do really well in order to make great hiring decisions exceptionally well. And so where we started was let's capture the interview. That was like the big black box. So let's record and transcribe and give people the right context to make decisions. And you can think about then horizontal expansion into well, how do we plan interviews really effectively, right? How do we run those? How do we gather all this data to then continuously improve? And so we had like lightweight parts of a lot of those pieces. And a lot of the product roadmap is around extension and, and depth in those areas. So I'll give you a great example on like the insights side. We started with like how many interviews are people running on Bright Hire and like what are their talk ratios? Like really easy stuff to get. Uh -huh. But now we can tell you, are you running interviews consistently between men and women? How many questions are you asking? What kinds of questions are you asking? What's the candidate sentiment, right? And so like going deeper on what are the dynamics of this, these interviews really look like and start to answer questions that head of TA really cares about. So that's an example of like, we started in Insights, we had like a V1 and we'll mm -hmm. go V2, V3 and go deeper and deeper and deeper. So this is, I mean, this is actually helping companies kind of like QA, QC their process because in, in, in some totally. cases, it's just the wild west. They ask whatever the hell they want. They take whatever time they want and it's not fair and unbiased. So what you're saying is that our company's actually taking that data and then starting to go out and train their managers. Yeah, absolutely. And like one of the things that we built was a training module, actually. <laughs> we literally built, there's like bright hard training and you can take examples of, you know, highlights from your interviews or examples from candidates and build that into a playlist and then give that back to managers to actually consume. And that can be informed by what you're learning. So another great example, we'd worked with one client where we found that men and women who were getting the same scorecard scores were being hired at different rates. And then we went into the interviews and we found, well, certain topics were coming up when men were interviewing women like sports or remote work. And that was having a material impact on mm -hmm. those candidates' pass-through rates. So to be able to like shine a light on that, call it out, put it back into training, like cl close the loop on it, and then track those passer rates over time helps influence the way that a team hires in a way that they never would have had visibility to before. And so like, oh, that, yeah. that's the work that I'm really excited about. You mentioned remote work in light of COVID, we're a more disparate workforce than ever before. The bright side of that 
or the bright higher side of that is that there's global growth opportunities for companies. And we talk to companies all the time that talk about global growth. How has that been for you? If you haven't, what's the go-to-market strategy around that? What percentage of your business now is global? Talk about that. We have client teams operating in probably four continents, North America, South America, yeah, APAC and Europe. Most of the teams that we serve are still headquartered in the US, but we have teams that are headquartered out of the EU, like, like Revolut's a good example. And so, yeah, we've had to adapt to that from like, you know, call recording and GDPR and data privacy and all we've laid all those foundations. One thing that we've seen, uh, and this is actually in a different segment, like on the staffing side, a lot of staffing teams are globally distributed and the coordination that they can achieve using Bright Hire when I've got a team in the US and a team in the Philippines, getting that those teams on the same page and sharing candidates and being on 24-7 has been a real value prop for Bright Hire. Reunited and, and it feels so good. good. That's Teddy Chestnut from Bright Hire, everybody. Teddy, if, uh, you know... Somebody wants to find out a little bit more about you and or, I don't know, maybe Bright Hire. Where would you send them? Brighthire.com. Oh. Does the AI still redirect? It, 100%. Yeah, you can. All right. So if you, you know him as <laughs> dot AI. For anybody who hasn't cached the browser, just go back to Brighthire.ai and you'll, you'll end up in the right spot. <laughs> Teddy, it's been fun. Hopefully we get to see you uh, on a face-to-face basis this year as the world continues to open up. Chad, another one in the books. We out. We out. This has been the Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Cheese podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face the Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com. Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Lachifre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.